my feeling is, if you like Italy, you'll love Sicily. But you need to tackle Sicily thoughtfully and with a little bit of uh, savvy. So we're joined today by two experts on traveling in Sicily, Alfio Di Mara, who is from Sicily, and Amanda Scotesi, who's an uh, Italian-American who spent uh, a lifetime traveling through Italy and a lot of time down in Sicily. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Grazie. Prego. Now, Alfio, how is Sicily, your homeland, different from Italy? Sicily, first of all, has this um, island kind of identity. Sicilian people tend to be so used to have uh, foreigners because they've been always invaded by uh, foreign powers. So who has invaded Sicily over the last 2,000 years? Uh, Let's say who hasn't. (laughs) Who hasn't? (laughs) (laughs) The only one didn't go were the Irish. But by the way, the first great domination we had in the island were the Greeks. The Greeks, okay. The Greeks, yes. And they left uh, a layer of architectural influence on Sicily. Yes. Wonderful um, Greek ruins. Amanda, what are your favorite Greek ruins in Sicily? Oh, Suggesta is pretty incredible. It's uh, among these rolling hills, and you get this beautiful view of both a temple and an amphitheater. And that's outside of Palermo, right? Yeah. You got it. Yeah, okay. one hour south. One hour south. Uh, okay, so you have... Beautiful temples, ancient Greek temples in Sicily. And very well preserved, too. In fact, you could make a case you can find better Greek ruins in Sicily than in most of Greece. I mean, Sicily was a Greek colony. Yes. Uh, In the 8th century BC, the Greeks moved west, and Sicily was the first Greek colony. There you go. Yeah. Actually, the Greeks were already doing some trading with the Sicilians at that time. What are some other invaders that left their mark culturally and architecturally? Well, you've got the Romans. They came in, they conquered the Greeks, they clear-cut Sicily to take the wood and build boats and made Sicily into their breadbasket of the empire. And you've got a great Roman villa to check out. Oh, yeah. The Villa Casale, best in situ Roman mosaics. Uh, Incredible mosaics there. uh, Mosaics that were in the ground. You know, they're colored stone, and uh, you get to actually walk above them, get a real wonderful view of them because they're so well-preserved because they were covered in a mudslide. And in the Middle Ages, who came to Sicily and left an impact? The Normans. The Normans. The Normans. From France. The Vikings who were assimilated into France in the west of France and then came down into they invaded England in 1066. Yeah. Actually, William the Conqueror was yeah. a cousin of one of the two guys that invaded the south of Italy. Oh, really? So it was yes. a two-pronged expansion yes. there from Normandy, yes. England, and into the Mediterranean. Yeah. And in, what influence did they leave in Sicily? They, they left a great uh, heritage, but just before them, the Arabs... Arabs. Actually, because the Arabs, they were in the south, that that is the reason why the Pope sent the Christian Normans to get rid of the uh, Muslims. Oh, so the the Muslims came and then the Popes told the Normans, go have your way with Sicily. They were so successful conquerors that, you know, the Pope must give them some land. But when I'm in the markets in, in cities like Palermo, I can almost feel a whiff of Arabia there. There's a melody in the markets, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, people are yelling about their wares. Uh, they'll just repeat themselves over and over again. All day long, their, these guys are saying About their fish or their snails if it just rained the day before. Yeah. In in, in, in Catania, we call the snails vaccaredi. Okay. So if I'm going to convince uh, this nice lady here to buy my snails, I would say, Signora, signora, accattassi vaccaredi, sono frischi frischi. 
And what were you saying exactly? Uh, come in, uh, look at the snails. They are so fresh. I just got from the seawater. And all day long he's saying that. Yes. Okay, now now let's let's pretend you're in Palermo and you're selling olives and I walk down the street. What would you tell me? Uh Vinisica Sakatasi Alivi Kasunu Friski Friski. And then, and then I could try one. I can say, uh, how do you say, can I try a little sample? Assaggia. Assaggia. And then you'd let me try an olive. Si, pigasi, assaggiasi, mangiasi. Yeah, and quanto costa? Pilei. Si. Si oh, for me, special. a special price yes. for me? <laughs> si, si, Thank si. you. And what would my special price be? Uh, cinco dollari per kilo. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, you're a special price there. And I, uh, you are so gentile. <laughs> prego, prego. Yeah. Okay, so the markets are a lot of fun, and you get that whiff of Arabia and all that wonderful, like a Medina or a souk sort of feeling in the markets. So the point is, this is just a many-layered wonderland. I mean, if you look at the map, of course, Sicily is like the football if Italy is the boot, and it's right in the middle of the Mediterranean, and it's between Europe and Arabia. Yes. And and the Arab world. And actually, that specific location of Sicily is the reason why we have... We had all of these dominations because it is so close to Tunisia and so close to mainland Italy. And Italy is a natural bridge up to Europe. And this is so, it's the logical crossroads. Yes. And it's the largest island in the Mediterranean. So to control Sicily was so important. And also to control the west and the eastern part of Sicily. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Sicily with two Experts on Sicily, Amanda Scotesi is an Italian-American who's uh, spent a lot of time traveling around Sicily, and Alfio Di Mauro is actually from Sicily. Where do you live in Sicily? I do live in Catania, which is the second largest city of Sicily on the East Coast. I'll never forget once I was on top of the volcano having an incredible time on Etna, and then I realized, oh, my, my airplane's flying out of Catania very shortly. And I just went right down the mountain and right into Catania, got on the airplane, and an hour later I was in Rome, and I thought, wow, just in a matter of... Uh, minutes you can go from the top of a live volcano down to a great city with a modern airport and bam you're back in rome yes yes and you know catania actually has this great location that is nearby the tallest active volcano in europe but is on the water at the same time so sometimes if you want to do very interesting activity you can go uh, hiking in the morning let's say, late spring, and then in the afternoon you can spend time at the beach in Catania, which is something amazing. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. We've got lots to talk about Sicily. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. You can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Tony's on the line in Houston, Texas. Tony, thanks for your call. Sure, Rick. How you doing? Great. We've got some experience in Sicily that you'd like to share, please. Oh, I do, I do. I spend roughly half the year there in Sicily and half the year back in Texas. My wife is Sicilian. We got married uh, in Syracuse, where her family is and was living, and uh, it was quite the adventure. Uh, we still go back often and, and have a, a little place north of Tormina in a little town called Gaggi. Mm-hmm. It's a nice location. So, and now, this is interesting. We've got a Texan-Sicilian wedding in Syracuse. Yeah. 
<laughs> that sounds fun. It was quite the adventure in the talk of the town. Uh, what did you inject from Texas into the traditional uh, Sicilian Well, wedding? you know, we well, first of all, just uh, kind of Americanized in general, we had bridesmaids and groomsmen, which they don't normally have there. You usually just have a witness uh, on each side that comes up and signs the paperwork and whatnot. And so having a large wedding party standing up front just in itself was quite <laughs> odd for them. I'm also... I was flying on active duty in the Air Force at the time, living in Germany, and I brought a bunch of friends down from there and was in uniform. So we had the swords and sabers walking out that they got to see as well. And then it was more at the actual reception where there was American music and Texas songs played and it had a groom's cake, which they don't normally have, which a big... Texas Longhorn from my alma mater, the University of Texas. And <laughs> the best part of that was for those that uh, follow Texas, they know that there's a sign we do, the hook'em horn sign, where you put your pinky and pointer finger up and hold your two middle fingers down, right. making the sign of the bull, which is the University of Texas Longhorn. Well, in Italy and Sicily in general, the cornuto's got a much, much different meaning, completely oh, yes. different meaning, you know, and... So that's a huge cultural difference. So wait a minute, I want to I, I know what the meaning of this thing. Elfio, what does this mean? I'm doing this yeah. to you right now, this Texas Longhorn thing. Yeah, yeah this, you don't do that in Sicily. <laughs> do that. I'm you doing do this that. to you right now. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what do you think when I sit here at this table <laughs> doing this to you? Can, can, I, can I say it? Yes. Uh, that uh, right now my partner at home yeah. is having fun with somebody else. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's exactly. very serious. That's quite Sicilian. an insult. Yes, it's the worst yeah. insult you can that's to an, a so. Oh, I hope that's not correct. <laughs> so that's how you insult somebody, is you, yeah. is you make the Texas Longhorns, and it's saying your partner is being unfaithful. Yes, right now. Mm-hmm. Now, d- you wouldn't want to do that. Okay, so uh, you have to just dispense with your Texas Longhorn uh, uh, spirit there, Tony, when you're down having a wedding in No, it, it, was, it was great. We actually, my sister-in-law translated for us because it's tradition to sing and do that at a wedding. So I had all these people over. People must have been. Were they actually loved it? Once my my sister in law explained it, we all got together. And my wife even joked she never thought she'd be doing that at the wedding. But we have video of all of us doing the the hook and sign and singing the eyes. I was going to ask you if people were Italians were laughing hysterically. Were they horrified uh, or were they howling? And I guess they were. Uh, no, they uh, they laughed. They actually got it. I think my my sister in law did a good job of translating. The that's meaning good. And, you can get yourself into trouble though. I was I was working in Iran and I I was with a wonderful man who was our bus driver, and I was always excited about what we were filming, and I, every time I came back to the bus, I gave him the thumbs-up sign, because I couldn't speak uh, Farsi with him, and I kept giving him the thumbs-up <laughs> sign, and then later on he told me, uh, you know, uh, in my country, that's the same as giving me the finger. The finger. You know, and so wow. no more thumbs-up in Iran, and, and no more Texas Longhorns in <laughs> Sicily. Exactly. Hey, Tony, when you had the reception, I know you had a lot of uh, Texan culture there. What do you remember from the Sicilian food? Oh, well, you know, Sicilians take food very seriously, and weddings in the south of Italy in general are just a huge affair, and my family was actually from the Naples area going back to my grandparents, so I was somewhat familiar with it just in in passing, but, you know, my wife and I planning this for months, the best part was you get to go around to the different villas where you're going to have your reception, and you just get food. You know, you sample their food, and and that was my favorite part, was I just got to go around all these villas and get free food. Amanda, if you go to a a big to-do in Sicily, what kind of food would you expect to enjoy? Ooh, lots of seafood, some great mussels. uh, Not so much pasta down there. Pasta's more... Oh, you'll have pasta, but often it will involve either seafood or vegetables. They, They cook a lot with vegetables. And Alfio, what would you look forward to if you had a relative having a wedding in Sicily? Uh, usually fish is more expensive, 
So that's why you will always find that the old menu in a wedding is fish. Fish, because they're this. impressing their guests yes, with the very exactly. best of the yeah. food. And what, what about the sweets and the desserts? Um, we have, because of the Arabs, we have a, an endless number of sweets in the island. The Arabs are the domination that brought the sugar cane in ah. Sicily. It was okay. the first place in Europe to have sugar in Sicily. And they brought also modern, for that time, system of irrigation. Huh. So that's why we end up with all of these sweets, uh, cannoli, cassata. Um, well, and then you also have all the wonderful sheep making the milk for the ricotta because they make... Uh, so you put the ricotta in the cannoli, right? Yeah, you yes. put the ricotta in the cannoli or the cassata cake. It's very fresh. Tony, how long have you been married now to your Sicilian bride? Almost four years now, three and a half Four years. years. What are the, if somebody goes down to Sicily and, and falls in love with a Sicilian, can you give us a few lessons from your experience? What do we have to watch out for? Well, they're always going to be tied back to the island. And I can't be a hypocrite because I'm always tied back to Texas, it seems. But, you know, you can never escape the island. We always take little bits and pieces with us. And, you know, the cooking and the, the desire to go back. And, you know, the island is always always on their mind, always in their heart. It's definitely. A, a love of family, too, isn't it? That's particularly oh, yeah. strong. That's a beautiful thing in Sicily. All right, Tony. Well, thanks and best wishes. Thank you. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Sicily. We're joined by two experts on Sicily, Amanda and Alfio. You know, so many of our perceptions of Italy are from Italian immigrants, Italian-Americans. Uh, your family's Italian-American. Mm-hmm. Alfio, you've got probably more people leaving Sicily per capita than any part of Italy to go to the United States. How does this immigrant American-Italian community shape our impressions of Italy in ways that might not be correct? Well, of course... There's the mafia and these ideas that, you know, everybody looks like they're from the Sopranos. And, and or even when we're traveling in Sicily, sometimes people say, oh, look, those guys look just like, you know, and it's just, just like Sicilian guys wearing suits. That's all they're doing, you know. Well, that's um, interesting. So a Sicilian guy wearing a suit to us, we think mafia. When you see a guy, a Sicilian wearing a suit, what do you think, Alfio? Uh, it depends on the suit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Um... I've seen sometimes movies or television uh, series like The Sopranos. The, the the suit that they wear, they, I know nobody in Sicily will wear that. Really? <laughs> yeah. What? The colors and and they are also too. Can I say too loose, too large, uh, too large? Yeah. Ah, yeah. so Italians wear a tighter suit. Yeah, exactly. Much uh-huh. tighter. They match the colors. The tie would be of a specific design and the color in the shirt would be a specific design and the shoes, the so belt. It's, they're very style conscious then. Yes. Now, when we think about the impression Americans have from Italian-Americans, I believe it is the poor part of a country that emigrates the most. And the result of that is in the new land, the impression of the old country is of actually the region from where they came. And most Americans who are of Italian descent came from southern Italy or Sicily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Above 70% of the uh, Italians that left between 1880 and 1920 were from uh, Sicily. 70%? Yeah. And that was the big years when people were leaving Italy and coming Yes, to because it was right after the unification of Italy. In the south, things got worse. And then people that didn't want to settle for nothing they actually, they left the island, and that's why it was one of the largest uh, movement of people in humankind. Well, and then what you end up getting is people think, oh, well, yeah, my, my grandparents came from this really poor town. There's nothing there. 
and they don't realize, well, in the last few years, tourism has developed a lot. You know, you get these poor towns that actually are incredible to visit because of either beaches or because they've kind of been trapped in time. They're medieval village hill towns. Which are enjoying a new prosperity. Exactly. Clay is on the line in Muckleteal, Washington. Clay, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. Thanks for the uh, inspiration for taking off. And we, um, my wife and I went to Sicily for two weeks right around Christmas a couple of years ago. It was fantastic. Well, you had so, Christmas in Sicily. That sounds like an exciting place to be for Christmas. Tell us what that was like. It was wonderful. Oh, and I just want to say hi, Amanda. Hi, Alfio. Hi. I love your home country. Uh, anyway, yeah, we um, flew to southern Italy first and then took the ferry across from Naples to Sicily and spent 10 days kind of traveling clockwise around the island. I was so struck by just how everything gets decked out for the holidays. And we ended up spending Christmas Eve and Christmas Day in Terramina. And they had a bonfire on Christmas Eve. And it just seemed like the whole town turned out and stood around the bonfire. And it was clearly a time to get connected with family and friends and and just spend some time together before everybody went to Mass. And then after Mass, the streets came alive. Like, I, I mean, it was it was one o'clock in the morning and you would have sworn it was, you know, midday and you were on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, it was just amazing how many people were out. It, it was wonderful. After Mass, after midnight on Christmas Eve. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And you're talking about Taromino, which is the most sort of elegant and ritzy resort town on the island. I, I would think it would be even crazier in other parts. Elfio, tell a little bit about your memories of Christmas, special memories of Christmas in Sicily. Um, Christmas in Sicily is, is a time where all of the family gets together. Now, this is interesting because we are always together during the year. So <laughs> we actually don't have an excuse to be together in Christmas. But of course, all of the extended family gets together. You can have, uh, I don't know, 30 people sitting at the table for uh, dinner. And then Christmas Eve Mass, the Midnight Mass. Yes. And, and then, then, and then is it typical go, to go outside? Yes. It is typical to go to Mass. And then once you are already outside after Mass, and then you do the passeggiata. In the, the passeggiata main, in after the midnight. Street. I never yeah. thought about that. Especially in little towns. That makes a lot of sense. Clay, imagine what a shame it would be to be sitting in your hotel and missing out on that. Oh, I know. And and that was that was just it. I mean, it was, it was wonderful to just be out in that. And, you know, you mentioned that Termina is sort of... Uh, you know, shishi and unapproachable. But I, I think being there in the down season over the holidays where, you know, it wasn't a lot of kind of summer tourists, it yeah. was so approachable and and people were just so welcoming. And I felt like Terramina really showed its true self and, and not this sort of veneer of high class. And the most wonderful part, though, was just on Christmas Day, we didn't really know what to expect. There weren't a lot of things open necessarily, but the amphitheater there mm. in Terramina was open. And, and I think, as you know, it overlooks Mount Etna. And we had the most wonderful day hanging out in the amphitheater for the entire day you know, kind of catching up on our journal writing and watching the clouds sort of roll in over Mount Etna. And, and, and Clay, wonderful. we have to remind people who haven't been there, uh, Terramina is a resort on basically on top of a on top of a cliff with a bunch of beaches down below it. Right, yeah. yeah and, yeah. and then you've got this 2,500-year-old Greek temple 
uh, with the great uh, semicircular stone seating and so on, situated on the top of this cliff yes. with this incredible view of the volcano and the, the coastline, and you, you sit there on 2,000-year-old stone bleachers marveling at all the history and all the natural wonder and all the vibrant culture today that makes Sicily such a wonderful place to visit. It was absolutely amazing. And those are just two small highlights of what was, you know, really 10 wonderful days. I think it was the perfect time of year to go to Sicily. Clay, you were there in the dead of winter. What was the weather like? It was nice. I mean, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, so not much gets us down around here. But the, the weather was, for the most part, clear and cold. There was one day that we got rained out. We had planned to go to Piazza Amarina and the, and the mm-hmm. Villa Casale there. And for the most part, you know, we just wore our jackets. And, you know, we weren't there to go to the beaches. We were there no. to sort of see a different side. So it was, it was really perfect. Very quick question. Did you stay in any of the uh, farmhouse B&Bs and agriturismo? No, we, we stayed in Chefalu for a couple of days in a small B&B there. Wonderful. You know, yeah, the Chefalu really is my great. favorite coastal town in Sicily. I mean, Palermo and Syracuse are huge and Catania, but Tefalu is charming and colorful, and you just feel like you're part of the, uh, part of the gang there. No, it was, it was really great. And, and, you know, again, that time of year, there were a lot of processions, and so every night it seemed like there was sort of a different band that had just kind of funky musicians, and they all wore different kind of crazy hats. I mean, it was a really a lot of fun to, to see the different processions come through. Did you feel safe when you were in Sicily? Oh, yeah, without a question. It's a super safe place. Did you gain weight? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Oh, my gosh. You know, that you can't turn a corner without seeing a fried this or that or, <laughs> um, or, or eating a lot of pistachios and ice cream. And everything. All right. So it was wonderful. Hey, Clay, well, thanks for sharing and uh, happy travels. Rick, again, thank you so much for all you do. You bet. When I think Italy, I think great food. And when I think Sicily, I think food with passion. There's so much food. You go to the markets and you just, you just want to eat everything. Amanda, what's a treat we should be sure to know about when we're in Sicily? A really lovely treat are fichi d'India. These are prickly pears. These are the fruits that grow on the cacti, and they grow wild all over uh, southern Italy. And you know they're native, though, to the Americas, so that's why they're called, I mean, literally, fichi d'India means fig of India, which ah. is considered to be the New World, right? So the cactus fruit were brought back by New World explorers. Yeah, like the tomato. And they thrived in Sicily. They thrive there with all the sun and the coastal airs and everything. And they everything. peel these things back and you get a yeah, delicious you you got to make sure not to pick them with your own hands. And yeah. you got to have someone, you've got to have special gloves and you peel them and they're uh, almost like a watermelon. They're really watery and refreshing, and they range in color from like an orange to a a burgundy magenta color. They're beautiful. I found children sell them out of buckets at tourist sites just to tourists to, like we would have a lemonade stand or something Yeah, exactly, and they'll peel it for you and cut it up. Always let a local peel your figgy d'india. That's one thing I learned. Yeah, the secret about the figgy d'india is that you want to eat chilled. Chilled, right. Out of the fridge. Okay. Yeah, it tastes much better and it's Mm. refreshing. Don't be scared about the thousands of seeds you're going to uh, find inside. Just eat them all because that is what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Eat the seeds in your cactus fruit, your figgy India. And Alfio, give me another taste treat from Sicily, your homeland. Uh, Well, I will tell you this. When I was living in the U.S. because I was um, doing some research here at the university, I was missing the Sicilian cannoli. I mean, if I would have found... Sicilian cannoli in the U.S., I would have stayed here forever, I think. 
But because I didn't find it, and then I had to go back to Sicily and live there. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's so just, what is it about a, a hometown cannoli in Sicily uh, that you can't best, find here? What's so good about it? What is good about it? I really like ricotta, sheep ricotta cheese. And the best ricotta you can find in Italy comes from the south, especially from Sicily, especially the areas around Agrigento and Palermo. So a cannoli is a, it's, it's, a, it's a pastry circle, a tube. Yeah, it's a tube, crispy tube. It is filled with uh, uh, sweet ricotta cheese and uh, sometimes little chocolate chips okay. inside. And then on both ends, you have uh, pistachio and then on top of everything, powdered sugar. Ooh. Now, the secret, and this is at the same time a good thing and a bad thing, about the cannolo is that it doesn't have shelf life. It doesn't have a shelf life? Yeah, cannolo must be filled a couple of minutes before you eat it. That is the, the top of the art of the cannolo, of yeah, course. Yeah, you know if you're walking down the street and you see the cannoli pre-filled, you, you keep walking. Or you yes. ask them oh, if they yeah. can do they'll one yeah, the for real, you. The real pasticceria is that you go there, you order your cannoli, and they will fill up at the very last minute. Nice. Why? Because the moisture in the ricotta will, will make all of the... Um, make the pastry kind of soggy. The pastry soggy. soggy. And uh, you don't want that, absolutely. That is the opposite of a good cannolo. Amanda Scotesi, Alfio de Moro, mille grazie. Prego. Prego. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Italy and beyond, one small group at a time. This year, we're featuring tours of Venice, Florence, and Rome, the heart of Italy, Village Italy, South Italy, and Sicily. For a free catalogue and Rick's Tour Experience DVD, visit the tour pages at ricksteves.com.